Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1391. Today on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the inaugural Las Vegas Concord Elegance that takes place on October 25th through the 28th at the Dragon Ridge Country Club in Henderson, Nevada, just south of Las Vegas. To learn more about this spectacular event, go to lasvegasconcord.com. As you amble on through life, whatever be your goal, Keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the hole. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark a Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Henderson, Nevada, D.R. Rawson. Hey, D.R., are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, absolutely. Let's get her going. All right. D.R. Rawson is the president of the Las Vegas Cadillac Club and the general manager of the inaugural Las Vegas Concord Elegance that will be held October 25th through the 28th at the beautiful Dragon Ridge Country Club in Henderson, Nevada. DR has always been a car guy, and at 20 years old, he sold Rolls Royces and Jaguars while working his way through the Air Force. Thank you for your service. His first sports car was a 1967 Jag E-Type, one of my favorites, and a 1956 Porsche 356A. Love those as well. He raced in the mid-60s. He switched from Mercedes to Cadillac, though, in 1994 when he proposed to his wife because she worked as a controller for the Coast Cadillac dealership in Long Beach, California. Love that story. So, DR, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your life, your career, and, of course, a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles? Well, uh, on my website, drrawson.com, is a very brief introduction of me, which simply says that I'm a dad, uh, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a mason, I'm a volunteer, I'm a philanthropist, I'm a possibilist, which a lot of people don't know what that is, and I'm a car guy. So when you put all that together, there's a lot of passion in everything that I do. A possibilist, you better explain that to some of our listeners here, because you're the first one who's ever said that word out of, God, 1,391 people now. Well, um, I was called that way back in the 20s 
when I was in my 20s, not the 19s. I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, you not, look far not, too young. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, I was I was doing some things. I had a company at the time, and, and uh, somebody asked me for some help. And I said, well, here's the problem. And he said, geez, you're like a possibilist. You see things other people don't see. That was way before we'd ever heard outside-the-box thinking. And I said, hmm, I like that. I like that. And so I've told people that a, n- a number of times because a lot of the things that I've done in my lifetime have been based on that. I've had 26 different companies in as many different industries, and I've, I've started them and sold them or bought them and sold them or took them over from somebody who had no idea how to run anything. I probably couldn't lead three people to the back with a sign, three people to the bathroom with a sign on their back. So anyway, uh, people would say to me, geez, we never saw that. How did you see that? And so it's just this ability to, to kind of see beyond where a lot of people see. I like that optimism. That is very cool. I might want to add that to a business card or two. I think that's a pretty cool comment. I love it. Love everything about it. Well, as we continue on this journey we will call your life today, I want to first ask you for a mantra or some kind of inspirational quote that has some meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so DR, grab the wheel. Well, I'm going to quote you something that my dad told me. My dad was a tool and die maker who became an engineer for Bethlehem Steel. And my dad gave me only one piece of business, a piece of business advice. He died at age 42, my mother at 44. So I never really had a chance to hang out with my dad and say, well, you know, what did I, that never occurred. But he did give me this single piece of advice. And that is, as you amble on through life, whatever be your goal, keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the hole. He gave me that advice when I was in my late teens. I didn't figure that out till I was in my 30s. And I was putting together a company and I, I went, oh, oh, that's what he was talking about. Substance over form. Got it. Okay. And it took a long time to figure that out. And it's the same way with cars. You want to look at substance over form. You know, you want to look at what's really going to stand up as opposed to something you might just drive from point A to point B. I, I've always felt like. Uh, driving something that was substantial was as important as the style, as important as the engine, as important as anything. It needed to be something substantial that could get you from where you wanted to be and in safety. Nice. What a great quote. What a great memory. I'm sorry you lost your parents at such young ages, but uh, uh, I think he left you with a lot of qualities and a lot of good thoughts, uh, despite that short time you had with him. Very nice. Would you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars? Now, I, I mentioned in the intro your love for Jaguar E-Type, uh, the 356 Porsche. Two, honestly, two of my favorite cars, absolutely. The Jaguar E-Type is what started it all for me. My dad bought me a little model of a uh, Matchbox by Lesney. I still have it right here on my desk of uh, a little red Jaguar. But uh, what was the pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? <laughs> Well, uh, when I started selling Jaguars and Rolls Royces at the tender age of 19, and they told me I couldn't do it, I said, really? I said to the guy who was interviewing me, I said, you know, I was a homeless kid. And everybody told me, you'll always be poor. You'll always be just like we are. And I didn't accept that either. So when this guy said to me, 
At 19, you really think you can sell a Rolls Royce or a Jaguar to somebody with money? You don't have any money. I said, no, I don't have any money, but that doesn't mean anything. I know the quality of something, and I know what drives people's buying decisions. At that point, you said you're hired. Then I got a chance to be around all these great cars. You know, we took a took in a lot of cars. We had Aston Martins. We had Austin Peelys. We had uh, Sprites, Bug Eyes, uh, Mini Coopers. Vir- virtually everything came through the door. Back in the day when uh, Honda came out with their first sports car and Toyota with their first one, the Fair Lady, all of those came through at one time or another. And I started looking at these and I go, God, I love being with these things. I love driving them. I love being around them. And I really realized that I loved them a little too much when I, uh, with that very first Jaguar, I, I got seven tickets in three months. Uh-oh. You know, maybe I just love this a little too much. I need to corral this enthusiasm some way. So uh, that's what I did. But that, that was kind of the aha moment. I said, I, I just love being with cars. And then when I stopped selling cars... I realized, God, I really missed this. But I, by then, I'd moved on. I'd moved on to something else. And when my wife and I got married 25 years ago, and she said, you know, you're going to have to drive a Cadillac. Okay, well, I haven't thought about that, but that makes sense. You work for Cadillac, I should probably drive a Cadillac. And I just fell in love with the mark. Oh, my God. I just, I, at first, I thought it was going to be a sacrifice. And then I got into these Cadillacs, and I, I love the styling I love the way they're put together. I love the stories that echo their tradition. I, just all, everything about Cadillac. I, I told the, the general manager of a local Cadillac dealership, I said, if you cut me, I bleed Cadillac. I just want you to know that. I bleed Cadillac. Yeah, I'm really into the mark, and, I, and that's when I realized. And uh, everything I do today is all focused around uh, cars. I would have never expected that for my quote-unquote retirement years, but everything I do is focused on cars. Well, obvious, you know, uh, for those listeners out there, we're doing a Skype interview and I see on DR's shirt a big Cadillac logo right there. So, uh, yeah. That's it, right there. He does bleed Cadillac. Very nice. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you faced. Now, you talk about having all these different businesses. No doubt you've met many challenges in your life. I want you to pick one out that was rather tough for you and tell us how it became a learning lesson and how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your business, and your life. You know, uh, when you start out as homeless, everything is uphill. No doubt. And so the idea was I could have anything I wanted to have if I just wanted it bad enough. So everything I did became a learning challenge. Way in, even into my 50s, in my, when I was 54, I started an insurance company from scratch. Wow. Never been in the insurance business. You know, and and they talk about everybody, (laughs) talk about the learning curve. I said, the learning curve for me was every morning when I came in at five o'clock was a wall. It was just right there. There'd be six people in line. What do we do about this? What do we do about this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And over the course of a day, I'd work it out. And ultimately, in 20 months, we grew it from a startup to profitable and more than a billion dollar enterprise. So it can be done, but you you have to believe that challenges are what make you the person that you are. You know, it's it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you deal with what happens to you. That's the thing that I keep in mind all the time. People throw stuff at me and I, I go, well, do I take this personally or just lose this as an opportunity to grow? 
again. And uh, I said to somebody a long time ago, and I, maybe it was one of my kids, I don't know. I've got six of them, so it's hard to remember. I said, you know, when you're through changing, you're through. Oh, I know what it was. One of the kids said, well, I don't like change. That bothers me when things change. I said, well, let me just tell you about change. When you're through changing, you're through. You're done. And then my father-in-law came along, and, and his mantra was, keep moving. So he moved right into 92 before he passed away. So he had something going there. And I said, so if you keep changing and you keep moving, yeah, you're going to be good. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's such an important lesson in life is embracing change. And it is hard for a lot of people. Having talked to over 1,300 people, almost 1,400 people now, I've learned a lot of things. They've taught me a lot of things. And I had um, one of the many celebrities I had on was Adam Carolla, who's a bit of a character. Whether you like his style or not, you have to admit, He's pretty much been a pioneer, and here's a guy who keeps changing who he is all the time. I mean, he's been doing so many different things in a way like you, DR. I mean, all these different companies you've had. I mean, who starts a insurance company from scratch at 54? Uh, somebody who definitely is not afraid of change. And Adam said, he goes, I, I said to him, I said, how do you do everything you do every day? And he said, you know what? I get up super early, and I just start moving my legs, and I, I don't stop moving them until late at night when I'm exhausted, and I lay down and go to sleep. He said, you just got to keep moving, just like what you said. Got to just keep moving. Got to keep moving, yeah. yeah. And when you stop moving, you're going to be through. Yep. You know, when we, when I was a young man and when you were a young man, you know, we saw these people retire at age 55, 60, 65, and then we'd hear they died in two or three years. I don't know if I ever want to retire. That That sounds pretty terrible. And it was because they were through changing. They were through. They weren't moving forward. They had no idea what was next. And so they just died. They just got to a point where their spirit said, you know what? There's no longer a need for you. Goodbye. And you're done. It is true. You know, my father, when he uh, retired out of his uh, business, he was an architect his whole life. I remember for a little while, he took a little bit of a break. And he's the one that taught me my work ethic. He grew up on a farm in Texas where there is no breaks. There are no breaks. My poor grandma there that you always have to be working. And my grandfather once said to me, well, Mark, the cows don't take vacations, so neither do I. Uh, he raised cattle. But I remember my dad, one day I went over to his house and he was throwing away his television. And I said, why are you getting rid of your TV? And he goes, I've decided they're death boxes. All my friends that are old retire and they sit around and watch these things and die. He said, I'm not going to do that. So he, he got even busier. In his later years, I did lose him a few years ago to a health issue, but, uh, you know, he was 84. And I tell you, he was uh, working hard and doing things right up to the very last day. And uh, you're right. You have to have a reason to get up in the morning, right? You do. And you have to live life to the fullest. Yeah. If, if you ever catch yourself just sitting back and going, there's a problem. I remember my children used to come in and come to me like they did a lot of parents. And they'd say, I'm bored. Really? You're bored? Okay, I'll tell you what you do. There's a neighbor over there who doesn't have a husband, and she could use some help. Go help her. So that's what you do when you're bored. You look around and help others. And pretty soon, you're not bored. You're busy doing things. And that's what you do. I mean, I, I have very little self-pity, uh, very little pity for others. And I used to speak around the country on the subject of motivation and becoming what I was, an entrepreneur, and, and uh, I would get up in front of these large groups, and uh, invariably, you could hear somebody in the background going, oh, oh, 
You don't know what he's talking about. He, you can't do that. You can't get there. And I'd hear it and I'd go, you know, let's just stop for a minute. Let's stop. And let me just give you a little bit of my background. I was homeless as a kid. My first school, my sister and I were the only kids that were blonde haired, blue eyed. Everyone else was Hispanic and spoke Spanish. And we had to learn Spanish just to stay alive. Then my second school, that was so much better. Everyone was African-American except my sister and I. That was junior high school. And by the way, in junior high school, I worked four to midnight, seven days a week making pizzas. So that was a fun experience. Then when I became a high schooler, things started changing, looked a little better. 52% of the school was Jewish. There were 55% was Jewish. And then there was 25% Hispanic. And then the rest of us mutts. And what did that teach me? That teach me that there's no self-pity. You know, people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm this and I'm that and I'm from a poor neighborhood and there's drugs. Let me tell you something. If you want to do it, if you want to accomplish it, you can. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, poor pity me, get off your, you know what, and do something. So I, I really don't have a lot of pity for people that, that do that. I will, if anybody asks, I'll be happy to show them how to do it. But I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, that guy's just a poor guy. I have a 501c3 that feeds the homeless here in Las Vegas. And uh, we have a contract with Pizza Hut and with uh, Pizza Hut and the Pollo Loco and the Yard House. And so they give us food and we, we feed it uh, particularly to the homeless youth, which obviously I have an affinity for. And I talk to them all the time. And I go, you know, you're homeless now, but you don't have to stay homeless. You don't have to accept this reality. Make your own reality. Get out there, kick yourself in the butt, and get going. Well, will you help me? Sure. Call me. I'll tell you what to do next. Well, why don't you give me some money? That, that's not the way it works. That's just not the way it works. You've got to learn to do this for yourself. Teach a man to fish. He'll Teach eat for life. That's right. You've yeah. got that's exactly right. Nice story. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. I know you've had some cool cars, but what was the first car in your life that came into your life that had great meaning for you? That had great meaning? Yeah. Well, I, I think the 356 Porsche came into my life, and it was, uh, it was an interesting story. My, my first wife sold used sports cars, and she got to drive any used sports car off the lot. I sold new Rolls Royces and Jaguars, and I drove a Jag. So she had this Porsche come onto the lot, and I, I just fell in love with this thing. You know, Porsches are known for racing and all that, and I, all that was running through my mind. And it was just a, it was a 356A with a hard top and a big sunroof, biggest sunroof I've ever seen. Beautiful seats. It just it ran like a top. And I said to myself, I'll bet I could do Jim Connors in this. I'll bet that'd be great. And so I started looking around. Is there places I could do that? Because there wasn't any tracks up in the Northwest. So uh, I found them. And I raced that car all the time. I came in second or third. No synchronized transmission whatsoever. And still, I'd get there and take everything out of the car, get it as lightweight as I could. <laughs> Race out on that course. I just had a ball with it. And that sidecar so had a real significant meaning for me. And I, and I painted it once. I painted it, uh, that Porsche. Remember that butterscotch they had, that color? with? I love that. So this car was green. I wasn't really a big fan of green. So I had a painted that butterscotch color. I felt much better about the car. Then. <laughs> yeah, brighten up your day. 
Avoiding uh, my days. I, I just had a lot of fun with it. I was I was really sorry to see that go. Yeah, they're great cars. Well, that's my next question, and that is a seller's remorse question. Is there a car you've owned that you've let go that you wish you had back? And let's take money out of the equation because we've all sold things that have increased in value. It's more about what tugs on your heartstrings, the cars you still think about. I bought a 2006 Cadillac STS. So the way I was buying my new cars, my wife was working at the dealership. I'd go visit her at the dealership, and I'd always walk through the, through the showroom, right? And I'd go, Ooh, nice car. I walked through this one day, and it was this 2006, and it was it had everything on it you could put on a car. It had wheels I didn't particularly care for, but everything was there. The biggest engine, the biggest North Star that Cadillac made uh, ever was on that car, and it just... It was black with black. It was just, it screamed D.R. Ross. And I went into my wife and I had this look on my face, I guess. And she says, oh, let me, let me tell you, you want a car that's on the showroom floor. I said, really? you can get that off my face. She says, oh yeah. Which one? I said, she said, wait, let me tell you the black STS. I said, yeah, that's the one. She says, okay, I'll bring it home tonight. And that's where I used to get cars. I had this car, uh, and Let's see, I had it eight years, only put 50,000 miles on it. In eight years, it had zero dings, zero scratches, nothing. The engine was a cleaner, cleaner than the day I bought it. It was a magnificent car. I'd always liked the XTS when it came out because it's got that magnetic ride control. Have you ever ridden in a car with magnetic? Makes a big difference. First time I rode in, the Cadillac rep threw me the keys. He said, try this out. So I drove down the street, and at 35 miles an hour, I took a corner without any braking. And the car just went level around the corner, and I went, what? Let me do that again. And so I just that car was just amazing to me. So I said to my wife, yeah, I'm going to trade in the 2006. It's, it's time maybe to upgrade the technology. You know, I never liked that car as well as I liked my 2006. I finally got rid of the XTS, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm old enough now. That I ought to be able to drive whatever I want to drive, whatever cool car I want to drive, and and just be one of the cool kids. She says, oh, well, what does that look like? <laughs> I said, that looks to me like just a, a classic Cadillac. So when I became president of Cadillac Club, people said, oh, DR, are you uh, you're going to get a classic? I said, oh, absolutely. Let me tell you, man, the first thing I find that's got power seats, power windows, air conditioning, power steering. And Wait, maybe the word classic is confusing here. <laughs> classic can be skewed, right? Yeah. So I, I went through several of them, and today I drive a 2001 SLS. I've completely redone the car, added wood and all kinds of stuff. And it's just a, it's a nice-looking car that rides as good as the XTS ever did. And uh, I just like the car. Well, that's important. Well, I'm going to think of you because I have a 05 BMW M3 that I really, really like. And every once in a while, I think I should get something different. It only has 60,000 miles on it. I work from home, so I don't have to commute anywhere. But every time I drive it, which is rare these days, I go, why would I ever get rid of this car? It's just, it does everything really nice. I have an older collectible car, but this car just does it all really nice, and I don't have to worry too much about where I leave it parked. So, uh, yeah, I'll just remember, next time I get that urge to sell, think about DR. Don't let it go. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Concourse. Stuart Sobeck 
is the gentleman. He's been a guest on my show before. He was a guest yesterday on the show coming back to tell us about this inaugural event. I see he's gotten you involved in this. So uh, what does this new event mean to you? Why are you excited about it? Well, first of all, uh, I'd never been to a concourse before. What? Yeah. Wait never. a minute. Wait. What? No. what? I actually went to what they called a concourse. Uh, the Cadillac uh, National Organization has a winter festival in some Michigan town. That, it's near the Gilmore Museum, if you know where that's at. So at the Gilmore Museum, they have all these Cadillacs that show up for that week-long event. So there was probably 200 Cadillacs. And I didn't find out to the end they were calling that a concourse. And so I never bothered to ask anybody, what the hell's a concourse? How does that differ from all the car shows that I go to all the time? So I didn't know. So we have a huge annual event here called Cadillac Through the Years that our club puts on. This past year, we had 81 cars. They were 1903 to most current Cadillacs. And we had some really interesting cars in there. And he happened to show up. And he talked to me and he said, so you're the president. You put this on? I said, yep. And I said, uh, it's a challenge. He said, yeah, I'll bet it is. So then he talked to somebody else and they said, you need to talk to DR. So I went over and talked to him and we started talking about cars. And he said, yeah, you've got the passion. Okay. And I had the experience running companies, so he said, sure, let's, let's do this. And I was thrilled. And I didn't really understand the concept of concours as I know it now, but learning this has been incredible. Meeting the people, of course, as you probably know, car people are a, they're a group under themselves. First of all, they're always nice. I don't care whether they have a lot of money or a little money, whether they're trying or not trying, whatever they are. They're just nice people. I've never met a mean person. I've never met somebody who you just go, I hope I never see that guy again. They just haven't. So meeting all these great people and putting this together from scratch, but this has been a huge challenge. You know, when people go to Pebble or they go to Amelia Island or Cobble that they just had, they look at that and go, oh, what's so well organized? And they don't think anything about the back end. Oh, my gosh. There are so many little, tiny moving parts. I call them systems. You know, you got AV as a system. You got your toilets as a system. You got, you got all these things as systems, right? So I put all these systems together. We get it all together as a team. And then we sit around and go, oh, is that going to work that way? And we run through it in our heads. And we Okay, they'll do this, and then they, they have to go here. Yeah, okay. Do we have volunteers for that? Yeah, we got volunteers. Okay, what about if they do? No, we don't have anything for that. Well, we need to compensate for that. So then you figure that out. And I'll bet we've been through this thing 20-plus times. And every time we go through it, no matter how finely tuned we think it is, we find something we could do better, including just today. I think we can do better on the signs. I think we could do better. So back to square one on the sides, which is fine. I mean, that's that's the thing. We, we entered this thing and Stuart said, I want to make this the best concourse ever. I intend to raise the bar. I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And he said, let's do it right. So that's what we're doing. So where other people, you know, buy something less or do something less just to just just to get by. We're going out of our way to do it. Even to make it an even richer experience than it might be otherwise. I'll give you a couple of examples. 
when you're in a class and you're in your BMW class, we have a class host. We have two class hosts. The class hosts are there to serve your needs. So you're there and your wife's there and you say, uh, I could use some water. <laughs> this is Arizona, Las Vegas. So I could use some water. Great. They get you water. If they don't have it right there, they'll call people over and they'll give you water. I'm hungry. Well, we put on a lunch for the exhibitors. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. We put on a lunch for the exhibitors. But you know what? If you're hungry, we have the Oasis over there. We have bars and we have food available. Here's the menu. Which would you like? And you just give me a few bucks. And I call a runner. The runner comes over, goes over and gets the food, brings it back over, and you've got food. And then you say, I need to go to the bathroom. Okay, great. We'll call a shuttle. Shuttle comes by, picks you up, takes you to the bathroom. So it's that kind of thing. And then you have, you've probably been to, as much of a car guy as you are, you've, you've probably been to Pebble Beach and you've been to others. So you look at these wonderful homes up there. And the wives always say, gosh, I, I'd really like to see inside some of those homes, right? So we took that idea and we capitalized on it and we went to some builders uh, around this Dragon Ridge facility and said, can we show these homes? Would you like to show these homes? Are you kidding? Would we like to show those homes? Of course we'd like to show those homes. So we have arranged for all the exhibitors and the judges and their wives to be able to go and see these homes because they're going to have lunch at the homes. It's a impressive lunch. That's something that people never get a chance to do. So we're going to do that kind of thing. It's just it's a lot of little things like that that just keep stepping up. One of our sponsors, uh, they, they want to give people rides up into their homes. They're a broker. And they want, they've got some of these big homes. And Dragon Ridge, the average home around Dragon Ridge is around 12,500 square feet. There's one home that's right alongside the 18th hole. It's 35,000 square feet. It was built by Sam Walton's sister. And her main criteria with that house was, my golf cart has to go through the doorways. <laughs> yeah, the house that big, you need a golf cart to yeah. get around inside. Yeah, really? Does it have <laughs> diamonds on it? I mean, anyway, so the point is there's huge homes there, and it's engaging to people. They want to know what, what's in there. What do you have to do to get there? And what, how much is it going to cost me? And obviously, some of these people can afford those kinds of homes easily. So it's going to be a win-win for everybody. And then for the spectators, oh, my gosh, you know, to see a car show, I, I tell people they, who don't know what a concourse is, I said, you know what a car show is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, well, let's be real generous and say that the average price of a car show is around or a car and a car show is around $100,000. Some people might have a little more, some a little less. Mine was a little less. So let's say 100000 When you have a car show like what we're putting on, a concourse. Many of those cars are multi, multi-million dollar cars. Some of those cars have only been seen a couple of times by people. Some of them haven't been seen at all. They're just coming out of a collection that somebody said, well, I'll show it. It's just amazing to me that so many people have cars that don't show them. They just get them and they put them in a, put them in a warehouse and they just look at them themselves. A friend of mine who recently died had 20 like that. I said, why do you do this? He said, well, I, I like it. He says, I come down here a couple nights a week and just look at them. Really? Anyway, but it's for the people who are just general admission even, they're going to see things that they never get a chance to see at a car show 
on the road and a dealer's lot. Never. And some of these are just amazing works of art. Just amazing. And mechanical works of art as well. It's just, am I passionate? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You know, it sounds like a fantastic show. Stuart yesterday shared a whole bunch about this show. I mean, it's going to be something unique and different. Definitely different with some of the things that you've talked about. I encourage listeners, you got to get over there and go. I mean, there's a thousand, thousands of hotel options for you at all different price ranges. That's a great thing about Las Vegas. Every plane goes to Vegas. Every city has a flight going to Vegas multiple times. This is an event you need to attend. And I'll make sure I put links to that on DR's show notes page. One of the things you need to really get a lot done in Las Vegas, if you're a tourist, is your own concierge. All right. We have one for the show. So if you're coming to this show and you want the best hotels and you want to go see other things and you want to get the best rates, use our concierge. We hired him because this guy, when I was in the military, there was always one guy who could get anything, anytime, anywhere. This is that guy. So that's why we hired him. So he's our concierge. And that's his job to get whatever people need. Sounds Fantastic. Again, sounds like something very unique, very different. So DR up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors that make this show possible. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com. To check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out, enter Cars Yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. All right, DR, I have a bit of an introspective question for you. I'm going to get into your skull a little bit. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? <laughs> you know, 
my first really cool vehicle that I could afford cash was a 1980 Buick Riviera with a complete digital dash and wire wheels. And at the time, I was president of an international oil company. And I would drive out into oil fields with my boots and Stetson and walk right out of that car. It was a beautiful sterling silver color with a silver interior, a soft interior. And I'd walk right out into the oil fields with my boots, get mud and crap all over those things, get right back in the car. I'd take it back to work and we had a guy that would clean my car. (laughs) So that's it. The Riviera. That car was unbelievable. And I had a I had an oversized sunroof put in it. And it was just it was great. And so it was such a workhorse and such an elegant car. That's me. I'm a workhorse and I'm elegant. I hope. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right. We are entering what I call the last lap, kind of a lightning round here. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that Riviera throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, my father, when I was uh, when I was in uh, third grade, he was working on his prized 1956 uh, Ford station wagon that he put a glass packs on, had three on the tree. Anyway, he was working on it. I said, are you going to teach me to work on the car? He said, let me tell you something, bud. You do not want to learn how to get dirty. It comes easy. Don't get your hands in here. You don't want to learn this. I said, okay. So later on, I, I mean, I've, I've had people say to me, oh, God, you ought to see the engine in this car. And I would say, does it have one? Oh, absolutely. I said, I'm good. Because you pick up the hood of these new cars and you look at it and you go, what? There's nothing to see. Yeah, they're kind of hidden away, aren't they? They're kind of hidden away. Yeah. So that was the advice. Don't, don't bother. Don't be a wrench turner. I, I think that was sad advice because I really wish I knew how to do that. All, all the thousands of dollars I could have saved. But in reality, I was spending that time doing something else, helping other people earn money. So There you uh, go. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Do it now. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, get yeah. on it now. Do it now. Do it yeah. now. Absolutely. You know, when somebody gives you something to do, do it now. Don't don't set it there and say, well, yeah, that looks like a tomorrow task. Just get on it right now. Somebody tells me, well, it's 15 minutes before we do so-and-so. My goal is to see how much more I can do in that 15 minutes yep. before it actually happens. And that's all extra stuff that most people don't do. Absolutely. Time is a very valuable asset, especially as you age, because that time becomes even more valuable for sure. How about a resource? There's so many these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? I'm going to share one that everybody knows about, but people don't use it. Google. (laughs) Now, what do you mean people don't use it? Listen, when I was in the oil business, I remember a customer called me one time and he said, do you know where I can get an oil computer? I said, a what? He said, an oil computer. I said, what does it do? He says, well, it measures all the the particles that come out of the oil well and, you know, goes, goes through an analysis. I said, well, it's very interesting. I said, uh, are they expensive? He says, they're very expensive. And I said, okay. So I called the public library, Google. I thought they didn't have it then, but I called the public library and I said to the research system, does anybody make a, an oil computer? Do they make a computer for the oil? And she said, I don't know. 
And she calls me back 10 minutes later. She says, absolutely. I called the manufacturer. I said, I got a guy that wants to buy one. He says, well, if you buy two, I'll sell it to you for 50%. I sold it to the guy for 1.5 times. So I had free computers sitting on my shelf. Nice. <laughs> so Google is there for everybody. You can look up anything on Google, and people just don't do it. They just don't my computer how do i stop this from happening how do i get there how do i get from here to look it up just type it in there you go it's amazing what you can discover on that little thing called google how about if i could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would it be well i i don't know i i i think the person that i probably most admire is uh the guy that started cadillac and i'll tell you why because he did something nobody else ever did. First of all, he never settled. Ford and everybody else ever just trying to produce a car. He never settled. So he created a thing called a go-no-go gauge. And because Leland was a tool and die maker like my father or my grandfather, I particularly appreciated that. But that's how Cadillac became standard of the world. I, I'd like to sit down with him and just have a drink and talk about common sense. Old Henry Leland. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. For sure. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with the listeners that you enjoyed reading? Who Moved the Cheese? Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah. You know, I bought that book for both my kids when they went off to college because I said, there's going to be a lot of cheese movement going on here. So <laughs> tell tell our listeners real quick why you like that book. I, I like it because it teaches dependent uh, self-reliance. You know, yeah. most people just, they, they go everywhere at the same time, expect the same thing to be happening and doesn't have to. You can change that reality. You can become self-reliant. And that book really teaches that. It's the underlying lesson, I think, in that whole book. Yeah, it's a great book. And I love the way they wrote it. Those little mice that crawl into that maze every day. So, yeah, those listeners out there that have not read that book, get that book. Get that book for your kids. It's a great book for kids to be looking forward to life. All right, DR, we are up to the checkered flag. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector on the planet, but there are some rules to this game since I'm writing the check. The first rule is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little financial trick is off the table. Uh, you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here, and it's the only collector car you can have in your garage, so you need to choose wisely. What can I buy you? A 1936 356 Auburn Boattail Speedster. Not a Cadillac? What the heck? Replica. We didn't finish. Oh. Replica with a Cadillac engine. Okay. I see what we're up to. Cadillac V engine in it. So that'd give it 635 horsepower, <laughs> way more than it ever intended. And it'd be such a cool car. And nobody would know it had a Cadillac engine in it because it looks exactly like the original car. <laughs> that is very cool. Now, that's a unique answer to that question for sure. You threw me off there a little bit. I'm like, why are we deviating from Cadillac here? What happened? But I see what's going on. Got out Cadillac engine. Yeah, very nicely done. Well, DR, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank you for sharing your life journey, which it has been an amazing life. Did you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off in the sunset? in that 36 Auburn Boat Tail Speedster with a Cadillac. I'll put a V12 in there. How's that sound? 
A V16 would be better. Oh, okay. We'll go up one. I'd like to get a V16. Okay, we'll do that. I, I would say that the, the parting piece of advice is just ask yourself, am I settling for something or is it what I really want? Mm. And ask yourself that every single day about everything you do. Yeah. Fantastic. How can people stay in touch with you and learn more about you? You mentioned a website at the beginning of our talk. I do. I've had a website since 2001. I get about 500 hits a, a week out of that thing and I sell nothing. Uh, but it's drrawson.com. D-R-R-A-W-S-O-N.com. Absolutely. And I'll also put a link, of course, to the Las Vegas, the inaugural Las Vegas Concord de Elegance. Just go to lasvegasconcord.com. Check it out. Uh, make a special trip to Las Vegas. Uh, take a special person in your life to go to these con- the, this Concord event. Walk up to DR and say, hey, I heard you on Cars. Yeah. DR, thanks. <laughs> thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. This has been great. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Las Vegas Concours de Elegance. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!